Tom Nash has spent his adult life mesmerising audiences around the world, either with his thought-provoking philosophies or hypnotic DJ sets. However, before his career had even begun, Tom was given the slimmest chance of survival after contracting a deadly disease at the age of 19, resulting in him losing both his arms and legs. This is all chronicled in his memoir book, Hook, Line and Sinner. <laughs> I got him on the line now. G'day, Tom. Hey, how you doing? Good, thank you. Now, what about the title? How'd you come up with Hook, Line and Sinner? <laughs> well, I knew that eventually I'd be t- speaking to a holy man. <laughs> I thought it would be uh, largely ironic. Yeah. And what <laughs> made you write it, mate? What made you write the memoir? Uh, well, it's interesting. I mean, I was approached by quite a few people earlier on after I'd gone through losing my arms and legs who told me I should write a book. And uh, I thought that was a really bad idea, actually, because I didn't think it was good enough to just go through hardship and then chronicle that hardship. Yeah. I think, you know, there, there's something about life in which you, you need to be able to uh, reflect on it and achieve something. And so I gave it 20 years. <laughs> and then I thought it was, uh, you know, good enough yeah. a story to tell. Because until you were 19, you had the world at their feet, didn't you? Yes. And now I don't even have any feet. <laughs> <laughs> so you contacted meningococcal susceptosemia. Tell us about it. Uh, tell you about meningococcal susceptosemia? Yeah. And, and how um, you got it. Well, I don't know how I got it. It's kind of like when someone asks you how you got a cold, you can only really speculate. And it's transmitted much the same, either through saliva, someone coughing on you or whatever it is. Having said that, it's quite rare and you need to be someone, you know, who's susceptible to it anyway. Uh, But effectively, it is similar to a meningitis and it causes septicemia, which is like a blood poisoning. And before you know it, you get gangrene on your feet and hands. There's a lot of pirate references in my life. It's not just the hooks. Um, and then, you know, to stop that from spreading, you have to start amputating limbs. Oh, so it was life, a life and death struggle, wasn't it? Uh, yes, for a while. Yeah, I mean, there was a, I was in hospital for about 18 months and there were several moments during that period that it was pretty touch and go. And what kind of support base did you have around you? I had a fantastic support base of, you know, friends and family, notwithstanding doctors and nurses and all that sort of stuff. I'm, you know, extremely lucky to have this happen to me in a country like Australia, if you think about it. Um, But not only that, yeah, the friends and family are are really integral and and not just for the reasons of them being around to support you, but they also sort of imbue you with a sense of responsibility. Like you, you very much get the sense that you don't want to let everyone down. So how did you cope mentally? Um, Look, it's an iterative process. I, I usually think that my ability to cope mentally was largely tied to my the, the the amount of physical pain that I was experiencing. I guess. Yeah. So when I was in a lot of physical pain, it was a lot harder mentally. The end of the world. But when yeah. I would notice to see when I would notice small incremental improvements in my uh, physical well-being, I think my mental well-being followed that. Now tell us a bit about your rehabilitation and how much was involved. Uh, how much what was involved in in involved in your rehab. In all the rehabilitation? Uh, So I was in a rehabilitation hospital for about a year and the primary objective of that is to attach prosthetics to me and teach me how to walk again with prosthetics. Uh, And that was an arduous task, uh, to say the least. It took months, largely because I had a lot of open wounds on my legs. 
That they have no be. compassion, those people, do they, mate? <laughs> and they need to be that way. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess it was a bit of a balancing act, right? Because if I didn't get up on prosthetics and yep. walk soon, I might never be able to walk yep. again. But at the same time, it would be detrimental to my wounds. And so yep. it was this constant to and fro between, you know, what was beneficial to me and what wasn't. But um, I, so, I get it here. You managed to play guitar with your hooks. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't in rehab hospital. I had to give it a few years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I had lost my arms. I, I used to be a guitarist before I lost my arms. And um, I made it my business to be able to play guitar again. And But the interesting thing was it was it was not the process of designing a slide for a, that would fit into a hook so I could p- play a slide guitar. It was actually the re... Like, it was the examination of redefining objectives of what it meant to play the guitar yeah. because I had to break down exactly what I enjoyed about it. Um, so it wasn't about becoming Jimi Hendrix. It was about being able to write music, being able to play with my friends and performance. Yeah. And for that, you didn't need an intricate setup. And so the the design became a lot more simple. So sometimes like reframing the problem is the best way to solve things. I've got some quotes here, direct quotes of you. Having hooks for hands has its advantages. Children think you're a pirate and women like men with metal. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Apparently, it's true. easier to pick up girls with hooks. Um, oh, absolutely! Yeah. So you had to I, I face physically no, up. I mean, you had to face. You had to face your your what's going on with humour, didn't you? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, like, it, it goes for everyone, I guess. You've got to focus on what you have, not what you don't have. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and so just just lean into what you're good at, not what you've lost. You but know? mate, how hard was it to reinvent your whole life? On your own terms. Um, I mean, that's that's a very macro question. I don't know. I don't really take things in, in a macro sense. I mean, I take things iteratively, one thing at a time, I guess. Mm. And so, look, it was a long process and and arduous at times, uh, but I would do it all again, hundred percent. And you're an internationally successful DJ now as DJ Hooky. Tell us, how did that come about? That came about because uh, my closest friend Chris and I decided that we wanted a DJ career and to work in the music industry, uh, but we didn't want to do all the work that it re- we thought it required to become a DJ, which is you know buying equipment and practicing yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. So we wondered whether we couldn't hack that whole idea and just start at the end. So we decided to start our own nightclub and then bill ourselves as the headline DJs. Um, and it worked people came to watch us and uh, we were thrown in the deep end with respect to like the physicality of DJing. And then we learned really quickly as a result. And, and you've, been, um, you've been writing dance music as well. and oh. Yeah, we ended up getting into, well, obviously, you know, you, you run a club, you learn how to DJ. We learned really quick. The, the club we started ended up being the longest running weekly club night in Sydney, which is almost 15 years or something. And we became bona fide DJs and also music producers as a result of that. Now, um, what would you like people to take away from your memoir, mate? Um, I would like to ta- them to take away whatever they choose to. I don't really want to force an idea on anybody, but I, I think one of the misconceptions uh, that I often struggle with that people take away from me is that I could never have gone through yeah. what you had and come out the other side. And I think that that's 
a non sequitur. I, I yeah. think it's a bit of a miscalculation if I'm being charitable. I think that, you know, the idea is that you don't know what you're capable of until you're actually put in the position. So what does the future look like for Tom Nash now and DJ Hooky? The future for me uh, is undecided and I, I that's how I maintain my vision of the future. I only really want to know what I'm doing in the next three months, not the next even three years. Uh, I kind of thrive on uncertainty. You know, I've been uh, in the music industry. I've, I'm a speaker now. I'm writing books uh, like Hook, Line and Sinner. I... I I'm open to what's next and I want it to be something different. Tom, Tom, you are a real hero, a real inspiration. I know you wouldn't think that, but just being who you are tells people there is there is hope. God bless you, mate. Thank you so much for talking to us tonight. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. See you, Will. See you, mate.